All right, we are lit, good sir. What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to another episode of Cultivated Ignorance. I am Will, the host. I am Mike, the favorite host. This week, we got a dope show lined up for y'all. We are going to be talking about how you women body shame us men. We ain't perfect neither. Y'all got to accept us as we are. Exactly. Take me as I am, right, Mike? Absolutely. (laughs) As toxic as I am, as problematic as I am, just take me. Just take me. Yes. Somehow. I don't need work. No. <laughs> um, we're also going to be talking about uh, the motherfucking Earn Your Leisure interview with Steve Harvey. Did you see it, Mike? I watched it, man, for you. I watched the whole two hours and a half of Steve talking. Two hours, yeah. Tell, yeah tell, tell, tell me what you thought. Hey, man, we're going to get to that part. We're going we to start with the, <laughs> with the body shaming stuff. Um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about the Steve Harvey interview. I guess what we liked about it, what we didn't like. We we'll didn't dislike anything about it. We will love the whole thing front to back. Um, you know, we're just gonna dive deep into to some of the points that Steve made. Um, but yeah, man. First, as always, we are broke. What did you so, point guns at? You point guns at him. <laughs> don't make me rob you. Right. <laughs> um. No, nah, we're we are hella broke. Um, so don't forget, don't forget, and don't forget. Uh, we got a Patreon. We do. Only cost you a hot five dollars. Only five dollars. Only five dollars, and that gets you uh our most exclusive stuff. Not Mike's OnlyFans, but um, it gets you the exclusive uh reviews we do. Uh, we have a couple of exclusive interviews on there. We have an interview that we did with somebody else on their pod. Um, so yeah, man, it's just it's just really cool shit. It only costs you five bucks a month. Yeah, so man. don't forget <laughs> patreon.com slash cultivated ignorance. This guy is the worst. <laughs> All right. So what you putting up to, brother? Chilling, man. Um, had a dope therapy session with my therapist yesterday, which was awesome. I talked to ear off. Um, always love doing that. Um, yeah. Currently working on a lecture that I'm trying to do at Benedict um, at the beginning of April um, with some seniors. That's going to be dope. Trying to, trying to radicalize some minds, you know what I'm saying? Trying to get them to, you know, be better than Steve Harvey, you know what I mean? <laughs> All that stuff. I see the world differently than the Steve Harvey. Um, and other than that, <laughs> no, that's I'm really excited about that. That's what we're gonna be dope. Um, but other than that, man, trying to chill, um, get ready for this retreat that I'm about to do with Alternate Roots, um, which is a regional arts org I work with. Where we're gonna be just fellowshipping and create, you know, creating dope shit. Yeah. Other than that, man, just chilling, man. Enjoy myself. How about you? I am doing good. Um, I am starting to get the ball back rolling with the 
<clears throat> with uh, starting my own business, particularly flipping houses, getting into real estate investing. Oh, wow. um, yeah, man. So I'm supposed to be doing some meetings next week with that. So, okay. you know, meeting with um, trying to get back into swing things because uh, I got to figure out how to invest this, all this money I'm making. All these billions of dollars. You trying to be the next Steve. I get it. Bro, I am. What you talking about? I, I, I get it, man. If you're not trying to be Steve, what are you doing out here? I mean, a broke boy. A broke boy. <laughs> broke boy fighting for rights. <laughs> what kind of shit is that? What kind of broke shit is that? Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> the good old fight. I'm not with the shit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, life is life is good. Life is beautiful. So no complaints here. Word, man. What I will complain about <laughs> is, how, <laughs> is how these women body shame men. Oh, shit. Can I talk um, about the origin of this, this subject? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> it's not just woman. It's, it's anybody, really, but definitely yeah. woman for sure. So <clears throat> speaking of Steve Harvey, I was listening to Strawberry Letter on this morning show. If you don't know the Strawberry Letter, you must not have grown up, in, in Columbia specifically. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they basically have like a, somebody from that listen, the listener of the show writes in, it's usually some salacious shit, like some kind of something about sex or infidelity or some crazy <laughs> shit that they want advice on. They don't, they don't really want advice. They just want the, their story to be heard, heard on the radio. They just want to get their story off. Basically. So it'd be the most outrageous shit in the world. But some people do it call for actual advice. And I think this woman had actual, wanted actual advice. She had a boyfriend that she just met not too long ago. Uh, things were going well. He's like a perfect gentleman. Takes her out on dates and stuff. Buys her flowers. Um, takes her on vacations and all kind of stuff. All those wonderful things, perfect guy on paper. Um, but he didn't he told her up front like he didn't want to have sex right away because he wanted to wait, he wanted to take your time, get to know each other, you know, that stuff can come later on. So at first she was like, Cool, 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 that's fine. You know, a couple of months go by, I think like a year and some change go by. Not not a whole year, no, not even a whole year, just months go by. And she's like, Why does nigga won't give me the D? Like, what's going on? And so when they're like hanging out, like she's like grabbing for it, trying to touch on him and stuff. And he's like, girl, stop playing. And he like brushes her hand off and stuff. Like not taking the bait at all. So she's like, what is going on? And this man has made it clear multiple times. Like, I'm not trying to have sex right now. I'm trying to stay focused or whatever. Just trying to enjoy you, enjoy our company. Like it's fine. Mm-hmm. She claimed it was cool. One day she gets fed up. The man's taking a shower. He done closed the door to the bathroom. Wanted complete privacy. She's closing the door to the bathroom, taking a shower. She decides to barge in on this man, breaking the bathroom, and bust open the shower curtain to look at him just to see his like genitals and shit, just to see what the fuck was going on. And apparently, it turned out that he has a small penis. And so, like, oh my God, he has a small, oh, that's the problem. Oh, like, how can he please me and shit? Uh huh. This was, he was just trying to cover all that shit this whole time and just freaks out, writes into the show, like, what do I do? Like, do I just leave him? Do I just dump him? Like, <laughs> do, is there any hope for me? Like, she's just like acting like it was just the world ending shit. And not only does no one address the fact that she straight violated this man by like barging in on the bathroom on him, but like mm-hmm. everyone just goes in on like <laughs> this man having a small dick and how hilarious it is. And I remember what Steve <laughs> said. Steve said he was trying to show you everything. Because in a minute he's not about to be a damn thing, is what he said. I think it's what I think that's how he phrased it. Like I'm trying to show you the world, because in a moment I ain't gonna be shit. Basically, what he was trying to say. 
And like niggas spent the whole show just clowning this man on the small dick. And oh, he so he said that specific comment. Yes. In reference to that that same gentleman. Yes, that's exactly what he said. Damn, son. <laughs> Jesus. That's exactly what he said. And I made me, bro. And it just made me think about the whole Nelly video leak and everything. You know, he actually leaked himself. Yeah. And just generally speaking, like how how easy it is to just body shame men. Like, don't get me wrong. We just now get to a place where we are starting to properly respect women. Don't get me wrong about that. But mm-hmm. like, and even most progressive circles, like, you know, I'm an activist. I hang around a lot of progressive circles. Even yeah. in my most progressive friends will body shame men about, or just hypothetically speaking, like if a man were to have a small penis, like niggas was, will clown him all day, every day, no problem. I'm like, what kind of shit is that? So what are your thoughts? Because it's crazy to me. Um, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, okay, so here's, I feel like it happens just as much in men's circles as it does in women's circles. Like we body shame women just the equal amount. But in shared circles, though, do you feel like it's easier, not right now, like these days, to body shame men than it is to body shame women? Uh, yeah, I mean, but not by much, though. I feel like both are highly acceptable hmm. in, like, people's social circles. Because, hmm. again, like, generally, they're your closer friends that you're body shaming these people in. Like, you're not just going up to, well, I don't know, something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know now because I've been at work and I'll be like, oh God, that bitch is huge. <laughs> but at the same time, there's been fat dudes that come up in here. Yo, man, this, this motherfucker ain't getting no pussy. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I don't know. I think body shaming is just accepted hmm. when you know that the people are not around. Like, I don't think it's really exclusive to any, uh, you know, it's not done more against one group than another. Is it uh-huh. fucked up? Yes. Uh-huh. But I think like we're always looking for it's like an insecurity type thing because like most people are obese on some level. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like a, a large majority of people are obese on some level. But they'd be the main ones talking. <laughs> you know what I mean? For For one reason or another. Absolutely. And I think it's just more so an insecurity thing. Like everybody recognizes, oh, I got these insecurities. Let me let me mask them by making fun of everybody else. A thousand percent. You know what I mean? Like it's just accepted at this point. Um, like I'm I'm more one of those people. Like, damn, that's unfortunate, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but why would you be okay with that though? I'm not okay with it being done to me. <laughs> Why would you be okay with happening to anybody? Because sometimes I'll be the one making the joke. <laughs> a lot of times you'll be the one making the joke. <laughs> I mean, but like, let's be real. Like, I'm not going to say currently, you know, but in our past, like, we body shamed people before. Yeah, for sure. And we're going to get to the root of, like, you know, why it's been so socially acceptable. But, yeah. I mean, to the first point, like, I mean, I think you're right. But I do feel like right now... I feel like right now the, the most of the country wants to be progressive. I don't know if necessarily most of the country is progressive, but I think most of the country wants to consider themselves progressive. Mm-hmm. And 
in that, I think now more than ever, it is a whole lot less acceptable to body shame women than it is men. I want to say that's true. I'm thinking about it now. I guess it's hard to tell because yeah. we don't often hear about those stories. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, you know, we hear about the Lizzo stuff, you know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And at this point, like being openly misogynist is just like corny, in my opinion. Like, so because you're body shaming a woman that makes you misogynist? Well, I'm saying, for example, of course, it all depends on the intention behind it. But for example, one of the main, you know, ways misogyny takes form is body shaming a woman. I think that's one of the biggest ways it takes form. So anytime you do anything misogynist, especially body shaming women, I think it like for, for most circles, it's just kind of corny now. Like you have certain circles of men who still do that because they just don't want to be better. Like they see too much, some too much advantage in just being gross and you know patriarchal. Those still exist. Like you know, Fresh and Fit podcast, which is your favorite podcast, or like Myron, <laughs> Myron the Goat for Will, or like. How Abbott Preacher are like playfully misogynist sometimes. They're not even that all that bad in my, in my opinion. But like for the most part, that's just like corny for most people. Like most people can watch what they say and just be like, that's fucking gross. But those <laughs> same people themselves would like openly body shame like a man as far as penis size in particular. Yeah. And it'd be completely fine, I would say. So that's what makes me think it's a little bit worse for men in that specific realm. Yeah. And I mean... I, I think a lot of it has to do, maybe I'm not going to say a lot of it, but maybe some of it has to do with the fact that there is a certain, you know, you have to display that masculinity mm-hmm. um, that lets people think that men suck it up or you should be able to take this or, you know, yeah. versus, you know, women who, you know, you have to be more sensitive to their feelings, da 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 da. I'm not gonna lie, man. Even as a man, I, I'm kind of like, eh, you better suck this shit up. Like, but like for, for somebody to go as far as like busting in on a nigga while he's trying to take a shower, and then like them, and then like them on the pod body shaming him. Bruh. That's probably the grossest part. Like, just <laughs> like them just being completely oblivious to the fact that like how dirty she did this whole man. They, they, like, it's almost to the point that you almost, it's like they almost fostered him for, like, hiding it this whole time. You know, like, it's kind of like, how do I explain this? It's almost like if you, like, maybe if he was more forthcoming about it, they still would have clowned him, but it would have been, like, different. I guess, like, I guess, like, they're viewing it as, like, he hid this, this shit. Almost like he had HIV or some shit. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like it was some life-threatening thing. That he was trying to sweeten up for her. But is it the same thing as like I don't know, man. Like I'm kind of leaning towards like it was fucked up. Like he knew he had a small penis size. Like you gonna try and get her to fall in love with you? And they'll be like, oh, I can't please you in bed. I think no, I think there's a strategy that <laughs> but first of all, okay, first of all, <laughs> we gotta stop this narrative that niggas with small dicks can't please women in bed because. Women that I talk to who have had small men say like they're probably the most creative lovers in bed that they've ever had. Cause you're not just solely relying on like a huge dick to just get the job done. Like you're more into foreplay, which 
most women really need. You're more into, mm-hmm. you know, cunnilingus. You're more into like creative things rather than just going to pound town every time for 10 minutes and then it's done. So like, and then most women don't even come off of penetration alone in the first place. So like, stop making up excuses for these small dicks. <laughs> it's not excuses. I'm just saying like, we got to stop this narrative. <clears throat> like small dick means bad sex. But also like him knowing the stigma of having a small penis, like he has to be strategic. Like he knows that most women, if they see, if they see, or I don't know, like is it strategic or does it border on like deceptive? Because like, <laughs> no, because he never promised he had a big dick. It would be one thing if he said, <laughs> it would be one thing he said, I'm gonna but, knock but the ball it's down. The, it's the it's the unavoidance of sex, knowing you have a little dick. I think the only thing, the point you had, only point you would have there is if he was lying about why he didn't want to have sex so early. If it was, if it was like solely because he wanted to take his time and he truly meant that, then no, there's no manipulation there. If it's like, I'm going to use this as an excuse to like, like. My man, my man said, I'm going to show you how good of a person I am. <laughs> but you should be doing that anyway. So that this dick doesn't throw off the relationship later. But like, what what would be the alternative? You'd be like, "Hey, I got a little dick. Let's go eat." But you know how most women are gonna receive that because they're not even gonna, <laughs> they're not even gonna like go to that dinner because they're gonna assume most women will assume that you can't please them, and then boom. Like if you know that, that's like, her choice. That's her choice. It's her choice. But like, you, it's your choice to be strategic. Hey, look, hey, look, hey, look. hey, look. I'm I'm gonna give you a perfect example. Rihanna know ASAP Rocky got a little dick because everybody else know ASAP Rocky got a little dick. What is that common knowledge? How does everybody know ASAP Rocky has a little dick? Because ASAP Rocky had that sex tape leak years ago. I never saw this text tape. Bro, you don't remember? That's why all those memes came out. Like I missed that one. Bro, you don't remember? There was like ASAP Rocky had the sex tape come out and it was like oh wow. It was like later on it was like oh wow Rihanna really likes him for him. Like, oh, I thought they were saying it because he's just like he's ASAP Rocky and like he's just not really he got a little meat. I didn't I missed that whole entire <laughs> shit completely. I'm just saying, man. Like, I, I, don't Rocky. Feel like border, I feel like it kind of borders on deception. I don't like, think <laughs> like if you know like if you know sex is a major part of a relationship for some, I'm not gonna say for all, but for some, I feel like that's something you would like kind of put out there like if somebody like it's almost like not having kids and you to have kids it's like uh <clears throat> or not having like a badass kid or something like i'm not gonna introduce you yet because i'm scared of what you might say again that's going an assumption that a small dick equals bad sex and i don't work with that assumption that doesn't that's not true for me i think he worked with that assumption say what i believe he worked with that assumption I think he worked with that. She would assume that because most people do. So isn't that like... <laughs> so if if he assumed that she would assume that he couldn't please her because he has a little dick, isn't that something he should have revealed? No, I think he would work your way to that point. I think he would like, he was eventually planning, I think he was eventually planning to have sex with her Oh, you think? And well, I don't think he was gonna like not have sex with her forever. Like that wouldn't make any sense, unless he said like I'm celibate to the end of time. Like that was yeah, like, never once, he, once once he got her full in love. 
taking trips and engagement and shit like that. <laughs> after he put it on, after he avoided for the next umpteenth months. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a way you can present what you need to present and even knowing what could be the implications because you don't know for sure what, but what could be the implications there's a way you can present that. It's like giving your child like vegetables for the first time. You know that if you give Mackenzie just Brussels sprouts on a plate by itself, she's probably going to think it's nasty and just not even try it. But if you mix it in with like some chicken and fucking, I don't know, some other crazy shit, like she'll be more willing to give it a try. Like it's not like fooling her. So if, so if I make you fall in love with me first, then you might be okay to try this a little dick. <laughs> you might be more okay. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm saying that you will not use that as the first thing to like turn and tell. Like you weren't working with the assumption of when I'm still trying to get to know you as a person. The first I thing you, know, I, I want to know you got a little dick. It'd be one thing if she said that, if she said like, I need to know how big your dick is. Like I need that for my personal, whatever the fuck. And he just like came up with some lie. That'd be one thing. But like, all he knew was that she was interested in sex. He wanted to take his time possibly to because why most likely to present it in a way that was would not make her make quick assumptions about whether or not he could please her because we know how society acts you may oh. got a little dick and damn near lied to this lady okay he did not lie about nothing he ain't lie about he shit was real close he was lie adjacent <laughs> regardless mm-hmm. the main subject we're getting off okay, topic yeah we yeah, we got. <laughs> we did get off topic. A whole bit, a debate about dick. Um, <laughs> the main subject is, um, how do we get people to stop relegating the value of men to their penis size? Like, that's the main thing I want to talk about. Like, body shaming is one thing, but I do feel like, as a man, in most circumstances, if it's found out that you have a small dick, you better have some money. If you ain't got no money and you got a small dick, like most people write you off as. Worthless, like, retard in this society. <laughs> yeah, most people write you off as a straight leper that no yeah. one wants to go near. So, like, how do we resolve that? Uh, I don't know, man. I don't think that is necessarily true. Um, I do believe that if you I think that if you got a little dick, you need to own up to it. That's fine. But like, you have to have a society that gives you the space to like do that and not be written off as unable to please your partner and just off top. When it's I guess you got to uh, change the way people view sex. Yes. You know I mean, yeah. and with sex being thought of as just so, you know, necessary for penetration. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all people... That's all people gonna think about. Little dick means lack of pleasure. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, but I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know if I can fight this good fight to where we're changing the minds of everybody about certain subjects. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like oftentimes we in these discussions we be like, "Oh, well, you got to change people's mentality." This, that, and the third. Which, okay, yeah, I agree with that. But what are we gonna do in the short term? It's a you know constant, I mean? like, but it's a constant everyday thing, though. It's not like a, it's not a, you know, have this done by January 2040. Like, it's a constant reinforcement in our 
conversations and like correcting each other. Like he said, like changing our view on sex. My whole philosophy lately has all been been all about changing our view on pleasure. Period. If you yeah. if you change that 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 as a what you call it as a domino effect changes yeah. all that in return. So I think it's more so getting to the root of it. Like why do we even think like that in the first place? Well, it's usually because of porn. It's usually because of two dimensional views of sex. Um, it's usually us limiting ourselves, you know, as far as what we can experience with pleasure wise. So if mm-hmm. we like change that whole dynamic, then I'll resolve that. So how do we do that? And that's a fun, fun journey, journey to take, like taking a journey of exploring different ways you can experience pleasure outside of just penetration is that's a mind blowing. I feel like I'm just now fully delving into that at 34 years old and it's been amazing. So I think if people see the joy in that, instead of looking at it as a scary thing, because it does take a lot of vulnerability. It does take a lot of uncomfortable conversations, but if you look at the benefits that you receive from it all, as well as your partner received from it, because that's the one thing I want to talk about is how this hurts women, because when men feel insecure about their penis size and their ability to perform based off of penis size, and most niggas don't have a huge dick, like, how does that affect you? So, like, why wouldn't you want to help do this work? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it yeah I guess for women it comes from the same place that you know I people feel so comfortable with judging women's bodies you right. know what I mean right. so it's just a a, a feeling um in a, in, a, in a reaction to something that they've been accustomed to dealing with for, sure. for so long All right. it's just become accepted um I don't know man niggas got tough enough little dicks got to come out <laughs> this thing is not helping the conversation at all every time you say so something she, like <laughs> so so okay so what do you think about body shaming as far as weight in men like is there a difference between body shaming and like true unacceptance of a certain body type because like i feel like especially for men women are willing to accept less prototypical in shape in shape man yeah versus versus uh men to women you know what i mean i think we're much more critical on body type i agree because i think there's much higher and much more unattainable beauty standards that apply to women that don't necessarily apply to men i agree with that and I think, Do you think women are just more realistic, realistic in their expectations of the male body type? I mean, they could be, but I think that's because of socialization. Like, I think the reason men look at women the way we do is because we've been socialized to do that. Like, I think we're all happen. First of all, I think all of us have been socialized to just completely ostracize like regular bodies for the most part. Like, when you see a regular body on TV. Like it's a it's a well curated regular body that makes sense. Yeah. Like if it's a fat person, it's like a it's an acceptable fat person. You know what I'm saying? Or they're it's not, they're, it's not like 400 pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's like a hot low 200s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or if it's like a like a someone who I guess you would call morbidly obese, it's usually like a older woman or something or somebody who's older who's not meant to be desirable at all in the first place. So it's all mm-hmm. very well carefully planned. But as far as young people, I think in general, like we just all been socialized to just look at regular bodies like, ugh. Like you look at Instagram and stuff, 
all you see is well curated bodies and mm -hmm. if you again the few spaces you see you do see the body body positivity movements even those are very well, well curated so it's just so wild how we just been viewed to look at like regular sized penises or like regular sagging boobs or like cellulite as like gross like that's so strange to me that's always really yeah. so i wonder if we i feel like we're awakening to that because it's so funny because we always talk about how fake the industry is we we always talk about that but we still subscribe to it in our day-to-day -day interactions it's so strange to me do you think we're waking up to that or do you think it's that uh i don't know do you think okay so let me ask you this do you think that people back in the day before social media got huge, do you think there was a higher premium on well-curated bodies? Or do you think it was a lower visibility of fat bodies or you know, <laughs> of regular bodies? You know Maybe what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, so do you think like the the beauty standard was more defined back then, making it making like the emphasis on having a perfect body, a perfect woman? Do you think that was more pushed back then, or do you think it's more pushed now? There's definitely more pushback now, but I think that the pushback has been happening for a very long time now. Like you can see media from even back in like the 90s or 80s or 70s even do satire on how fake the industry is you know what i mean like people have been people have been talking about this for the longest and so it's not anything new but we're talking about it more than ever now because now the people have the ability to go viral with their opinions versus just someone taking an idea to some type of media platform and then presenting it on the tv now, literally, me or you can just say it on Instagram, and it can catch fire and go around the world overnight. So, so I think it's been around for for a very long time, and I think there's a some type of weird disconnect between us knowing that, but still, when we see a regular body, like on a in a regular picture, we still look at it like, oh, why, why would they come out like that when they're just like wearing like regular clothes and they just like happen to be a big person? Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know some good looking big women out here. Oh, yeah. Well, there's plenty of them. Absolutely. But there's no good looking little dick men out here. Zero. Ten step toward and a thousand <laughs> steps back. <sighs> Stop body shaming men and women and anybody else. Listen to Kevin Samuels. <laughs> All you got to do. Except the little things will lead you the right direction. The little dick is more, is it swallowable? Or you can you can get more than the little dick. You can get the little dick and the balls in your mouth at the same time. Yeah, you can, yeah, you can get everything can in there. Whatever you want to them, girl. That's how you can just, I mean, that man bust in two seconds. Imagine getting gawked, get, imagine getting your whole junk gawked at the same time. That's gotta be incredible. Okay, hey, okay, so on a side note, okay, we're gonna get back to what we talked about real quick. <laughs> All right. Tell me why I've been having like daydreams. <laughs> this is shit is so off topic. I've been having daydreams about getting gummed down by some chick. 
some random chick or is it somebody specific? No, just some chick in life at, at some point in my life. Okay. Hopefully, Taryn. Hopefully, well, I don't hope she loses her teeth. <laughs> oh, dumb down like like no teeth at all. Yeah, just no teeth. Just that's hilarious. Putting pressure on my shit. Just that's incredible. That's <laughs> go to the bingo hall and just pick one. <laughs> just get one. And get Hopefully, she doesn't lose her teeth. But if she does, what if she does? <laughs> <laughs> just Gawk City. That sounds incredible. Oh, no, that's I, rem- I remember back when I, back in the day, you used to watch HBO and you used to be watching Hookers and Johns, Pimps Up, Holes Down, and shit. Oh, yeah. Lady would take her teeth out. She'd be like, Oh, you don't go around the corner, such and such and such. <laughs> like, oh, this nigga's about to get done up, son. You never had a woman like ball her mouth though? Like, it's, it's similar it's to that. It's not the same. It's not, it's the, not same. the same. But as long as she's like, you know, she gets some moisture in there, it's, it's, it's good. It's still a good time. No. You want the pressure. You you want the pressure without the repercussions. I want I want you to like like with all gum just <laughs> all the way down. Just like I just want there to be like no fear. No fear of me getting bit, but all the pressure. Oh, that does sound just, incredible. Just like start chewing on my shit. Just <laughs> <laughs> That's it sound especially when you when you busting. That sounds sound like you bite. <laughs> <laughs> that sound crazy. Nigga, I'm about to die in this bitch. <laughs> Ooh, man. We All right. Oh, man. Ridiculous that episode. <laughs> All right. Um, so, on from that. Um, the Steve Harvey. <laughs> the Steve Harvey Earn Your Leisure interview. Yeah. Uh, the Dope Brothers from Earn Your Leisure podcast, Earn Your Leisure um, on Instagram. Uh, they basically have a podcast um, where they try and bridge uh, finances and uh, financial independence, financial education with hip hop and how it kind of relates to our culture or relates to the culture. Um, two Dope Brothers on there, they've been, I think they've had this podcast for a while now, but uh, it's really starting to blow up. And recently, they got an interview with one Mr. Steve Harvey. Mm-hmm. Um, really dope, um, at least to me. <laughs> there are some haters out here. Um, so yeah, man, it, the interview blew up. Um, and people people are loving it. People are, Jamel Hill commented on it, how great it was. Um, a, co- a couple other people have as well. So what do you think of it, Mike? That was cool, man. Um, didn't blow my mind. I'm, first, I don't know anything about this podcast. I never heard of them before. Um, they must be blown up because they have Steve Harvey. Because Steve Harvey don't be doing interviews like that, especially no right. over two hour one. That's that's really dope to see. Um, I thought it was just cool, man. I just it wasn't um for me. I didn't necessarily feel like I got anything like super mind blowing from it. I get what I value most is getting insight from Steve as to uh, you know how he. First of all, the whole shit with his tax, which I'm sure we'll talk about that. The whole shit with his tax issue with the $12 million, only $12 million to the IRS. That's oh, yeah. Because I remember that time. 22 million. It was what? How many? 22 million. That's right. Yeah, you're right. I remember that time because Steve was just, you know, you just saw Steve every fucking where. And you still see yeah. him now. 
but you just saw him everywhere. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, does he owe the mafia money? Like, what is going on? Um, and it turned out like that whole thing with his, you know, accountant just <laughs> motherfuckers just taking money out of the account for his ex. Bro, that was crazy. Um, but that to is, know that, that he, at least for real, my man was getting done up. But to know that he just was like, all right, I'm gonna get out of the situation. And I'm just gonna take his word for it. Like, we don't know, you know, what's true, what's not for sure, but I don't have no reason to believe he was just blatantly lie about things. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to think that he would just be like, all right, I'm gonna pay this shit off and just bust his ass like that, just get you know back-to-back shows, do this pay-per-view. Um, as an entertainer, like it's one thing as like a you know, an accountant, you know, or a, a teacher or somebody just picking up extra hours, but this is entertainment, like you in front of thousands and thousands of people show after show after show and just turn out every show and just that's crazy to me that's this is really dope but um yeah that's what i got most out of it just insight from steve but in particular like um you know of course it's a very capitalist mindset podcast which is cool for those it's cool for um i'm not particularly you know super impressed with things like that myself um because i don't think black capitalism is necessarily the solution i think it's a mind it's a whole cultural shift that has to take place but for those who like you know resonate with that i think it's good for good for those type of people and um, yeah. oh no it was cool so i know you loved it so much no man i mean i enjoyed it um i think one of the bigger things i took away from it is you have to have somewhat of a clear picture on where you want your life to go yeah you know what i mean um and for Steve, it was always that. Like, he knew, he told the story about how he knew he wanted to be on TV, um, you know, since he was young. Yeah. Uh, and I, th- another thing I think about is how the, the system, in a way, kills your dreams somewhat out the gate. Like, I think oftentimes we, we have an idea in our mind of what we want to do as a child. And for whatever reason, whether it be your grades at an early age, your parents trying to get you to, especially for our generation, our parents trying to get us to at least a medium job that pays us well to where we can make a certain amount of money to live a decent life. I think like just so many things are dream killers. Yeah, education, parents, um, you know, just outside influences, people knocking you down, whatever. So many things are dream killers to people. And I think this podcast really showed a lot of like just perseverance and just striving towards that one goal. You know what I mean? Like never really letting letting yourself be knocked off the path. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, so that was that was really dope. Um, we're going to talk about some of the other parts uh, real quick, but first thing I want to get to is these five core principles that Steve has. Now, you have a problem with it because you have a problem with everything right now. <laughs> and that's it. I, thought I, I thought I knew Mike, and now he just has a problem with everything. You literally agree with me when I first brought up what I, my concern about this whole part. Okay, was- yeah, I did, and then I was like, wait. Like, I, I did. And I was like, that's just wrong. Okay. I thought about it. I I really did think about it. So initially when we first started talking about like, you know, what we were going to talk about on this show, you know, uh, 
we were like, yo, those five core principles Steve had. Sounds like, I think I said this out of my mouth. I said, sounds like a nigga that's been proven right. Like, <laughs> like, it's like yeah. you know, these five core principles are things you learn from being proved right. Yeah. But, but I had to walk that back over the course, like, over while I was thinking it. And I was like, most lessons learned are really learned when you fail. So, hmm. you know, in that aspect, do we learn a lot from, and I, I had to take him at, at his word with some of the stuff he said, because, you know, do you, do you learn a lot when you're winning? Probably not. You know what I mean? You just learn to win. But the, but like values and principles that you stand on, I feel like more than likely come from a place of failure. What do you think? It's not, like even. In fact, if, if the person's intention is to learn, they can e- learn equally from success as they do from failure, if that is their intention. Mm. If their intention is just to make money or, you know, to satisfy somebody, then, yeah, you're probably not learning anything. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, so you said the Steve's five core principles show how privileged people who have money can afford to dream. You expand on that a little bit? Yeah, well, you first want to read the five principles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what we're talking about. So the five core principles are dream big, uh, use your imagination, show gratitude, overcome fear, and have faith. Yeah. Um, so first of all, I don't have any problem with the principles themselves. I think they're all, you know, absolutely right and things that you should apply. What I said was, because these are the five principles he said for success in business. And um, what I said was, although I agree with them, it sounds like someone who has the ability to, you know, the leisure to just dream and just say, you know, just dream big, just use your imagination. And then what I questioned when me and you first talked was when Steve was homeless and he was out here struggling and he didn't know where his next gig would come from. He didn't know how he was going to make it. Um, what would he say if like rich Steve told him like if, if a struggling Steve was like, man, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and I'm working out, you know, they're not hiring me. I don't know what to do. I don't know what the business plan is. Any of these things, like, what do I need to do? And if Rich Steve just told him these five things, I would think that homeless Steve would be like, nigga, I'm trying to, like, I got bills to pay. Like, what I, what I need to do tangibly? And I know that's a whole, you know, that's probably a whole nother podcast for him to do. But what do I need to do tangibly to, like, actually, you know, not only find my passion, but my business plan? strategize budget um schedule you know can network you know it just seems like a very superficial answer that's not necessarily wrong but it sounds like someone who has already made it and can just more like impractical for the for the man going through it right right that's what i'm saying and i think that's what kind of gets happens a lot of times in these circles when you have a big name star like steve harvey you don't want to press him too hard on like but like how do people actually like deal with you know systemic issues were stopping them from happening, you know, things from panning out, let alone like someone who is relatively well off, but still needs that like plan and action to keep mm-hmm. doing over and over again. Cause you know, when you start a business, it's not just a one-time thing. It's a everyday thing. Most businesses fail within the first five years because most yeah. people have a good start, but mm-hmm. they can't, they can't sustain it. So that's what I was saying. Like, it just sounds like somebody who already made it. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what broke Steve would say to Rich Steve, but like I would think that like since it's coming from his mouth, you know, 
I would hope he would say that he is attempting to do all these things. He's keeping his dream alive. You know, he's using his imagination on how to, you know, get out of his situation or how to, you know, build his brand. Yeah. He's showing gratitude to everybody who's given an opportunity. He's overcoming the fear. You know what I mean? And he's having faith in himself. Mm-hmm. You know, with these being, you know, principles, as he said, you know, these are kind of like things that you automatically do or things that you stand on. Right. That you just have to make sure you don't fail yourself on keeping up with them. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, and I so it, it's it's different in the like these are these are the steps. You know. I, see I see that. Maybe that was the pur- purpose of the podcast. Just give you inspiration. Maybe that was the whole yeah. intention of the podcast. Yeah. Um, what I don't like about these is that like is you know what which the same thing I don't like about a lot of self-help books, and you know, I'm I'm guilty of it. Like I, I read some of them, you know, but it's like it's easy for somebody to give you a roadmap on like what to do, but it's not very realistic or practical to assume that the person is going to incorporate these things into their life just by reading said book or listening to this podcast. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, like while it gives people the roadmap, like I I feel like nine times out of 10, it's going to fall flat. That being said, like, I think the the 10% you get through to, it's a crowning achievement. You know what I mean? So do you think it's marketed in a way that is just sellable and will only help a few people? Is that what you're speaking to? I don't think it's, it just, I guess what I'm more so saying is like, I just wish we could figure out a better way to break through to people, to change people's if we're going to like have people in this capitalistic system, which I'm fine with, let me be clear, I'm fine with capitalism. There has to be a, a better way to reach people, uh, to reach people's core, like to change the way they think, to change their mindset. Um, it's, it's tough to break through to somebody's mentality, how they view things. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't think that it's marketed to people like this. I, I don't think it's marketed to people to sell a dream, to sell nonsense. You know what I mean? To sell something that's unattainable. Yeah. It's, it's, it's legit solid information in here that's 100% accurate. You know what I mean? If you have faith in yourself, overcome fear, show gratitude, all these things, they're real. Sure, yeah. But to, but for somebody to truly absorb it and make the make use out of it, that's tough, and it's nobody's fault really. Well, I think that's, I think it's part of the reason that's so tough is because it's structurally, the way, what I call hypercapitalism works is, the level of consumption, and the level of, domination that you are, usually taught to pursue is precisely what makes it so tough like so because we're going to get to how steve talked about how um what's the billionaire's name um uh, robert something robert smith i think it was yeah robert smith Dude, yeah how you told him to chase scale 
if we if we are continue to if we're continuing this narrative of like get it how any you know get it how by any means necessary get as much as possible while spending as little as possible that is where that hyper consumption and that 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 oppression comes from is that you get into that mindset of i want to be that big boss who pays people as little wages as possible while making as much profit as possible and that's precisely why it's so hard to get through to people because those people are suffering through that. The people who are trying to make it to be Steve are suffering that right now. So it's like, how can I be that when I'm being proven right now that hard work doesn't equal huge payoff? Like our generation understands that more than anybody. That's much as hard as we work. You have a certain amount of belief, belief in yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, all that's true. But like, you can you can have all these principles. What I'm saying, but if you don't change things structurally. Like how attainable is that within the system, or structurally within yourself, and like how you and how you operate both within both. Well, not but how you operate. Period. Regardless of what system's going on, you still need to you know push yourself. But like systematically, you know, as well. Yes, you need to change that as well. If it's going to have a sustainable society where most people are able to live a comfortable life, that you're saying that you want to help people attain. I, I th- yeah, okay. I think <clears throat> it's okay to want to touch some people. It's like you want to improve some people's lives. Um, but the real but the reality is you're not going to improve most people's lives. You know what I mean? So like you have to be okay with the wins and not necessarily count the people that you can't reach as losses. I think that's good to an extent, but I think there's value in asking why are there so many losses? Like, why have you not touched with certain people? That's what I think that's where I differ from most people is I want to know why does it not resonate with a particular person other than they just don't want to do the thing. I think most people want to be successful. Most people want to have a well-paying job and work, you know, Maybe not work super hard, but you know, earn yeah, their living. Think, yeah, that's the thing. Like, do most people want to work hard? I don't believe I most people. Work hard. I, I think people, most people have no problem working hard as long as it's something that is paying off and they're passionate about. I think most people have no problem doing that. The fact is, the the problem is we're living in the gig economy where most people are working on something they're not passionate about at all, but they have to do for not, you know, probably not being paid well. They probably went to school for something completely different. And they just have to do this to survive. That's where you get that beat down mentality of like, I can't take this shit no more because I'm just I'm just grinding through the shit every day, eight hours at this fucking job, really nine hours, more than that if you're some people. And I got these fucking kids, and, and I got all this other stuff going on, and I have this little bit of time for myself to feel pleasure. So like people are just people are just worn out. I feel like I feel like most people are working hard and have no problem doing so. It's the problem that. What they're working hard for yeah right. don't you have to take the time to despite all your all your uh responsibilities you know all the things that you know kind of siphon their time away from you away from yourself don't you still have to find the time to better yourself yes okay so with that right while it is, well, yes, society does, even 
society will even kill your time that you have that you can spend on yourself by marketing to you through like social media just other mindless shit right mm-hmm. like essentially you know you fucking off for an hour on social media is essentially you killing yourself right you're you're still diving back into the you know you're still selling you know whatever like you're still buying you're still consuming rather than putting that time investment into yourself well i think it depends i think that statement depends though of are you resting or are you just aimlessly doing whatever i think think nine times out of ten people are i don't know the Like I don't work. think there's much difference when it comes to a lot of behavior um, in regards to certain activities that we do, um, because you can you can rest while learning something, right? Like you can watch a documentary on some topic you care about or whatever. I think people are just not interested or don't have the focus to understand that all these things are kind of stopping me from what I want to do. Like there's very little accountability on ourselves at the end of the day. It's probably what I'm getting at. People don't have much accountability for themselves. Like, like everything is happening to them. I can't stand that mentality. Like people, these things are happening to me. Yeah, they are. But like, at what point do you like say, hey, I do have control over such and such and such and such? Yeah, my job shit, but like I can make the best out of it or I can learn from this job and take it somewhere else or whatever. There's yeah. very little personal accountability, I feel like. I think, no, I think you have a point. But again, if you're, because this is going to go into like how the concept of work, and there's a really good book you should read. Um, I'm hoping I can find it before the end of the podcast. How the concept of work was created to be a mindset, not just a job, but like an entire culture around how we view work. When you are, when you have that ingrained into your soul, like that any lack of work is laziness, but the work that you're doing is constantly unfulfilling and constantly grinding the energy out of you. It's like at the end of the day, for most people, they have nothing they feel like they can't really do, but just waste time on YouTube because that's the only like ounce of pleasure I can get. Like, I'm just, if I'm, I'm not at work and I'm not dealing with, you know, kids, I'm not having to pay this bill for this, this was one little moment. What can I do in this one little moment to experience pleasure to where I'm not being taxed? And I don't think learning is necessarily always rest. I think to truly rest is to truly just, sit the fuck still and know you have no responsibilities because even if you're watching the informal informational video you feel like you should be writing something down at least mentally anyway you should be recording something for future use to truly rest to just like just just lay the fuck down and just sit still like people need to be able to do that and sometimes that takes the shape of just cruising on facebook on mindless shit that's what i'm yeah. saying so for them it's like i've done all this work i've been constantly working i'm my accountability is me going back to work, right? Even when I hate this fucking job, I hate paying all these bills and these taxes. And like, can I at least rest and watch this video? Because that's all I have. Well, that's all I feel like I have anyway. 
Yeah. Um, also, like, let's not be, let's be honest. Like, most people waste a lot of time doing mindless shit. You know what For I mean? Sure. For sure. Um, I don't know, man. I, and even, like, I don't know. I, I don't even give people a, a pass when, like, they're like, oh, I've been working, you know, such and such. I'm tired. Like, I hate my job. Like, get over it. Like, if you want to overcome your circumstances, like, you will not rest even more. Right? Don't like, you need rest to be able to do what you want to, to be able to do what you want and need to do? Don't you need rest? You need sleep. You need rest. You need rest. Like sleep, this is, sleep is essential and rest is essential. I don't define it as one and the same. I think you need rest. Like if you don't, if you don't ever rest, if the only rest you get is when you sleep and you just wake up to do work again, how does it not beat all the like all the vigor out of you <laughs> daily? It, it it probably will. It probably will. But like I guess that my point is like, man, like you can't just blame everybody for not overcoming. Like you have to figure out a way to overcome, right? Like you can't, like blaming the system, wanting to tear down the system is not going to do much for you in the short term. You have to somehow divest from the the rat race. You got to somehow get out of it, whether it's, whether it's going harder at it for a little while and knowing when you're going to get out. Or having a goal for when you're going to get out, or it's either just you know divesting from social media, all these other things that rob your time, whether it's rest or you know bullshit. I'm not like disagreeing with you. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You you just gotta find the time. I don't disagree with that at all, but I do think not holding the system accountable is something that we pay taxes to something that we have to adhere to, I think just completely ignoring that only furthers the problem. I'm not saying you have to ignore it. I'm just saying, like, okay, we held the system accountable. System's fucking me. All right, what next? But you can do both. Like, you can tackle both issues. That's what I'm saying. Like, you can do... That'd be like me. That'd be like me not doing any of the things I do now. Because, you know, I don't... You know, I don't fuck with a lot of things going on right now. And I do, I do a whole lot of stuff on the side. Like, because I wanted... To, I refuse, because my good friend said this before, like... As much as I am upset about things, I refuse to let that just take over my mind to the point that I just give up and just like you said, just go through the motions and just sit around complaining. But in my, you know, activism, in my calling out of things, I want to see things change. Because again, I feel like it's reaching an apex. I really feel like it's already there, really, where the level of consumption is just unsustainable. And again, I say this all the time, like I don't want McKenzie to grow up with these same issues because I think it's going to be 10 billion times worse for her if things continue on this road to where if she's not like a mindless robot working in you know tech like she's just going to be fucking absolutely miserable so yeah, yeah i think like I, said, I don't agree disagree with what you're saying but i think we can do both we should do both as a society yes we should as an individual you're who's going through that. it i don't see i don't see I don't see what it does for you to blame the system and not make the necessary changes in your own life. No matter what those changes look like. Yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not definitely not saying that. Um, the book is called The Problem with Work by Kathy Weeks. Um, okay. Definitely check it out. Maybe we talk about it on the show. Uh, it's a pretty dense book. Like it's, she's like a, 
she goes she's a super academic and it's it's, it's up there but it's a really good read yeah get your money get your money definitely get your money still man i ain't telling you listen i ain't telling you to be a broke boy out here in the cardboard box trying to fight the fight the struggle <laughs> fight the struggle all right so you said do yeah. you think it's an issue that people like steve base their philosophy for success on christian faith well i do want to talk about this yeah okay go ahead um go ahead. I, do, I wanted to ask that question to you because you consider yourself a christian mm-hmm. um, but i think it's interesting how you know everything he says falls back to christian beliefs and he's even he's done this multiple times like if you're not christian if you don't believe in God, like he just kind of writes you off as like, well, you must not really want success like that. Like you must, you must be like good with going to hell. Like all the basis of his, his definition of success is based in the Christian faith. And it's like, are you saying that people who aren't Christians who don't believe in God just can't make it? Um, are you saying that the Bible is the only way, the only tool you can use to know where you're going? Like that never, that does not make any sense to me. No, it doesn't make it doesn't make sense at all. But I don't think that's what he's saying either. Um, I think there's a a large group of people who believe that. But Steve's been around enough rich atheists to know like that's just not true. You know what I mean? But I think like for him, because everybody has their own journey. That's how he believes that it should be done. You know what I mean? That's what's Christianity, his faith in God has proven him right. Yeah, it'd be one thing, but I think he says it like it's a no, like the way, especially the way he's described like heaven during the podcast. He was like, What point? What did he say? He said, Um, he talked to somebody, he said, I don't believe in heaven. He was like, All right, well, you can believe it or not, but it's still there. Um, you know what part I'm talking about? I, I do, and he essentially he was like, you know, uh, what did he say? He said something about along the lines of like, it's better for me to believe in God. Cause if he's not real then okay well i live my best life but if he is real then oh well you you people who don't believe his ass out yeah i think that philosophy because i remember there was another interview he did where he said um you know if you if you don't believe in god then he can't trust you because he doesn't know where your moral barometer lies you remember that interview this is like a years ago uh i mean i don't remember that interview but i mean i can believe it I mean, there is, there are some people who truly base their faith like that. Now, do I think that was, I don't believe he was telling the truth. I believe that was a little, you know, embellished, but, you know, because I'm sure he's had enough dealings with non-Christian folks who are trustworthy, you know, but I think Christianity, like people, that is a real thing. Like some people are so devout in their beliefs and this is not just, exclusively to christianity no it's exclusively to most you know monotheistic um religions for sure so i mean i don't don't think there's anything wrong with that um i don't believe him when he says it but (laughs) you just don't believe him i I mean it's (laughs) like it's kind of ludicrous like (laughs) but that's what i'm saying i think no i think he's telling the truth because most christians kind of you know are hypocritical in their talk regardless i don't don't believe most even Christians believe that like oh well you believe in God oh I trust you a little bit more you know I think what I mean? but like, once you <laughs> but like once you know a person you know what I mean um that's, nah, that's yeah. 
that's just not true. Like it's just that's just a little too much. Like that's some shit you say for the TV. I think no, I think most Christians do believe that, and it's not till they get to know somebody without knowing their faith first. Because this literally happened to me, and this is okay. Legit. Yeah, that's probably more true. Yeah, because I had a somebody who I considered a friend who did not know I wasn't Christian for the longest. We were friends for like six months, and a mutual friend of ours had told her that I don't believe in God, and she just assumed I was a Satanist. She just assumed that on top. I know who this was. You don't know <laughs> what? Who do you think it is? I thought if it was your little friend that ain't never had sex in her. Oh life. no. <laughs> She's terrible. No, it was not her. Um, but yeah, she certainly she she went straight to like, oh, he worships the devil, and she avoided me for like a week. It was it was super <laughs> weird. And I finally talked to her. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And she was like, I heard you didn't believe in God. I just didn't want you to curse me or some shit. She said some crazy shit like that. Um, yeah, I think what I said just now is for sure. So I think he. Yeah, it's, pro- it's probably more so in reverse. Like they have to know you before they trust you. <laughs> if you introduce um, yourself as. I'm Mike and I don't believe in God. Like this motherfucker is probably gonna <laughs> run out the building. I'm not gonna lie, man. Every time you say it, it makes lets me know that I won't see you in heaven. That's a damn shame. That's a shame, man. I'll be waving at you, bro. You were such a good earth friend. But hell gonna be lit. What you mean? Like all the lit people go to hell. Like <laughs> yeah, li- yeah, lit on fire. <laughs> <laughs> like all the heathens, all the whores. <laughs> they they gonna be down here just. Uh... Watch, but heaven gonna be lit. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a crisp like. It's what? gonna be like every room is gonna be like climate control for that person, and then like the main area is gonna be like a hot seventy two degrees. Like it's gonna, gonna be cool. True, but it's gonna be full of squares though. It's gonna be full of like nerds. It's gonna be full of niggas that just you be trying to talk to them. They ain't, they don't understand your jokes, bro. It's gonna be all Christian jokes. Everybody gonna be lit. <laughs> it's gonna be a constant. You know what it's gonna be? It's gonna be a constant Tyler Perry play. Is that what you wanna live? Like an ongoing Tyler Perry play. <laughs> movies, not the not the not the good plays, the movies. What's gonna be lit there? What did you talk about? You hate All right, man. You and Elon Musk can burn up down there if y'all want to. Oh, Elon lit. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I get along with um, billionaires when we in hell. I'm telling you, well, I'm telling you, the thought of eternal fire is just that's too much for me. <laughs> did y'all have hell houses in your church? Uh-uh, what is that? It's that, oh, it's really fucked up. It's when you, they make these whole um, plays in the house to where what would happen if you if you died and you don't, you know, repent for your sins. And, and like, you got the heat on 90 in the bitch? <laughs> <laughs> Even worse, like each each room would play out like a horrific scene that would happen to you if you don't. Oh, yeah, I've, I've, I, yeah, I've been to those before. <laughs> this <is> terrible. <laughs> That's <was> awful. <laughs> I didn't know they were called hell houses. <laughs> That's what I called them. <laughs> I seen niggas get decapitated and shit. I was like, oh no. I need to go read the Bible. That's terrible. They had, they had the little orange and the orange and the red sheen just blowing. And it's supposed <laughs> to represent hell. Yeah. And some niggas and some nigga in a Satan suit stalking some other nigga. Yes, bro. Yeah. Fucking crazy. <laughs> oh goodness. Um, do we want to hit anything else in this? I know we're going over time, but. Money. Yeah, okay, real quick. Um, Steve's resentment, explain to Steve's resentment. Oh, his, okay, yeah. So like, yeah, remember when he was talking about his kids and he was like, um, you know, Steve, I'm, I'm pretty much sold on the fact that Steve's like probably a workaholic at this point. Like, I used to think like he was doing this for 
you know, either his wife, because, you know, his wife is known to date, like, baller-ass niggas. I don't know if you know Marjorie mm-hmm. like that. Um, But I'm convinced, like, he's just, like, he just has a mindset of a worker for, like, the rest of his life. The fact that he said he wasn't going to stop till he was, like, 104 years old, I was like, yeah, this nigga is made to work forever. I don't believe him. Don't believe him. I don't know, bro. Like, the way he's going right now, he's 60-something right now and doing all this shit. Like, I don't know, man. Um, But he was, like... It seemed like he was like feeling some resentment, like his kids are <laughs> like good, like his kids have a safety net and he didn't have a safety net. It was like either make it or die. And his kids is like, even if they don't make it, they got a, that, you know, they got the net to fall back on. And he said something about like, how do you teach your kids how to hustle and grind when they don't have to hustle and grind? Like, so yeah, like, I mean, it, okay, so it, essentially he was talking about like, how you can teach somebody to really, really pursue something and go out and get it when they when they've never had to struggle in their life. Which That's I believe is like real, right? Like, isn't poverty and poor conditions generally the best best motivator to get out of your situation? I don't think no. I don't think it has to be. No. I think you can, your, your parent can show you the value of a dollar and and still make you work for what you want and, and not allow you to just completely be ass out. I don't think that you have to be struggling to learn that lesson. I think it's harder to teach people work ethic when they've been privileged. You just, I think you just have to be more intentional about it. Like you just have to be like, you just- Yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, you just don't you don't get the whole world handed to you. Like you just like Lord knows my mom has made a way to help make make way for me growing up. Um, like I was like one of my only friends who didn't really work in high school, but like I was constantly doing stuff, having to do stuff around the house or just keep up with just certain things. Like she just gave me these particular jobs. Like if I didn't keep up with that, then I wouldn't get like video games or whatever. Fuck. Like and so I never that definitely my mom struggled. My mom struggled as a child. Like my mom has worked since she was a literal child in fields at ungodly hours. And her mantra was like, my son will never endure none of this. Um, mm-hmm. she had an incredibly abusive dad. My grandmother was awesome, but she was just, you know, she was afraid of his her husband. So my mom has been through it. And she just had intention behind it. Like she was just like, you just not, you know. You can have the world, but it's not going to come for free. So she's never, no, I don't think that's. Do you think that you would have a more uh, so you believe that you don't, you couldn't have a better work ethic than you have now. Like you're, like you couldn't have a more clear picture of where you wanted to go than you have now. Because I think that's essentially what Steve is alluding to, that like when you don't have this real motivating force being poverty or struggle behind you that you become unfocused or you, you don't have a clear picture of what, where you want to be. Like you don't have that strong, strong work ethic to push you forward because, you know, I think essentially, at least in his, in his case, that work ethic kept him fed. You know what I mean? Um, it kept him off the streets for the most part. Obviously, he was sleeping in his car for a while. But, you know, and I don't think he was kind of, he was disappointed that he felt like his kids wouldn't, 
not necessarily disappointed, but he felt like he was essentially like somewhat robbing them of opportunity to learn from their circumstances um, instead of them being brought into this light of life of comfort. So number one, I don't think working from a sense of, de- of desperation is inherently good because you can end up doing anything for money to stay alive, including things that could like be detrimental to your livelihood. So, Correct. So, so that's but, one thing. I guess, okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay, so that's one thing. And another like, I don't know how Steve parented his kids. It sounded like, cause he, he complains about his kids like quite often. I don't know if he does it lately, but listen to Steve Harvey show back in the day. Like he was, he was constantly complaining about how spoiled his kids were. It sounded like that was more of a parenting thing. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, I think if they're coming from a privileged background, like why wouldn't you just focus on teaching them how to leave a legacy for themselves versus like learning how to come from struggle? Like when you, couldn't you just send your parenting around? Like, this is my name. Like we got all this because of Steve Harvey, but what is mm-hmm. your name going to be? Lori Harvey, you your fine ass. Like, what are you, what, what mark are you going to leave? In this oh, come on now. That was just <laughs> unnecessary. <laughs> You just misogynized the whole shit. Like, <laughs> it had to be said. What are you going to do, Lori Harvey, with your name while you're on this planet? So people don't just call you like Steve Harvey's daughter who just got the world handed to her. I think you can curate entire parenthood around that. Yeah. I mean, I, I get that. I just think he was more so talking about like their work ethic initially out of the gate stopped being as good as his because of the strong motivator you know but I you, didn't, didn't, you didn't feel a sense of resentment like how he was talking about it like like he was like these kids ain't had to do none of what i had to do man i had to do this. i don't know if it was resentment or it's like it's, this is a lesson i won't be able to teach them as effectively as i had to learn it or in the way i had to learn it because for steve struggle was essentially like one of the biggest motivators for him overcoming his stuff you know what i mean and so for him he feels like that is the way you that, know that, struggle pushes you forward but i think that's what a resentment just just speculating just speculating especially knowing his generation and how similar black folks are often the same way yeah that that sense of like y'all ain't gotta work for none of y'all ain't gotta do none of the shit that we used to do like we used to have to tiptoe around white people and shit and work bust our ass for hours Y'all ain't got to do none of that. And y'all complaining about what y'all complaining about now? Like, older Black folks will, not all of them, of course, but they will talk shit about our generation in terms of what we are fighting for. Like, we ain't shit. Like, because of what they went through. Y'all ain't shit. Y'all just want to get rid of capitalism. da 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 <laughs> Oh, it's everybody else's fault. I ain't got the time to focus on myself. <laughs> get out I'm of not here. saying that. I'm not saying none of that. I'm a baby boomer at heart. Like, I'm with the shit. You are, nigga. You absolutely are. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. At heart, I was born in 1968. Like, I'm with the shit. Oh, shit. I'll give you a decade before that, really. Yeah, I'm about to say, I meant to say 58. Yeah, you was in the roaring 70s, like, on Soul Chain and shit. Right. I agree, yeah. But that's just Uh, what I felt. Yeah. And uh, Steve uh, Steve Harvey talking about how Robert Smith taught him to produce scale, and the effect it has on his business and re- on his success and relationships. Yeah, I'm gonna just say this real quick. Not everybody can come with you, okay? 
Not everybody can come with you. So fuck them. <laughs> I mean, I don't disagree with that. Not everybody wants to come with you, really. Not truthfully. Yeah. Not without a free ride. Um, yeah. <laughs> one thing I was thinking about with that was, um, like I said, he's, he's made it a point. Like he wants to be the biggest entertainer in the world, I feel like. And mm-hmm. what it made me think about was the whole situation with Monique. When Monique got blackballed, and she went on his show talking about how, you know, behind the scenes in private, like she talked to Steve, she talked to Lee Daniels, she talked to Tyler Perry, Oprah, all those people who said she was right on the phone, but in public, like nobody spoke up for her. And she just like, she was just talking about how hurt she was by that. And Steve was like, well, we out here trying to make it. Like, what you, what you want us to do? She was like, I understand you're trying to make it, but like, what about your integrity? And Steve was basically like, man, damn an integrity. Like, I need to keep this shit up. Like, if I if I crumble, like this whole situation crumbles. Like my whole my whole empire crumbles. Like, I can't I ain't got time to worry about no integrity. And I just thought that was interesting. Like, I I think that's what happens when you chase scale over you know quality of just general quality of life. Yeah, I mean, I guess so, but like I'm one of those people that like if I don't if I don't want to, then I don't have to. Yeah, sure. Like, while that's unfortunate for you, you know, I'm not about, I'm, I'm legit, like, I'm not about to fuck up my shit for me to put myself on the line for you. I don't think that's a shot to my integrity. It is if it is. It is if it is. Like, it's, it's the reason why you don't want (laughs) to do that. It's the reason why you don't want, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do, right? We both agree with that. But why don't you want to, like, in this instance, why wouldn't you want to speak up for Monique? If the reason you don't want to speak up for money is because you just don't want to lose your money, like, then say that is what I'm saying. I think that is an integrity thing. When you told this woman that she was right behind, you know, closed doors, but in public, you hush mouth. And on the show, how do you, you say that huh? publicly? Say what? How do you say that publicly? Like, I want to say something about Monique, but like, I don't want my money to be fucked up. Like, that wouldn't make you just look even well, more pathetic than like, agreeing with her on something that's super unpopular i think that's just the that's when you just get on your shoebox and just stand up for what you believe to be right like if you think this woman is being done wrong and this is what you someone you call your sister then you got to make a decision if you're going to do that or not and that's your decision to make yeah but you do have to say what it is though no you don't I don't got to answer to nobody but myself and God. Yeah, Elon, Elon Musk going to make it over here. Yeah, bro. <laughs> fuck that. Ain't nothing fuck up the bag, baby. I see that, man. So, let you go out here and say some wild shit. I'm nigga, about you, to. Nigga, you out by yourself. I'm, I'm about I'm to. Gonna be, I'm going to be in the background. Nah, but we're going to be there holding hands. And like, in a lot. We'll be like this. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> It's gonna be like I stand with you. Gonna be trying to raise my shit. I'm good. It's gonna happen. All right, man. Good show today. On to the thirst of the week. Oh yeah. Let me put my notes for the amazing. Oh shoot, what's my thing? Where's my thing? Too many tabs open. <clears throat> All right, you already got the thing open. I can't see two screens. Got you, baby. Appreciate you, man. This week's thirst of the week. Is the lovely, <clears throat> credible, fine as Miss Tatted Poodle, whose real name is Michelle. 
Tadapoodle is a cosplayer and a content creator based in San Francisco, California. She strives to have a space, safe space for her community, no matter what background or religion. She has hosted workshops for up and coming content creators and cosplay on a budget tutorials for those who do not have the finances to cosplay freely, because that shit can be expensive. If you see people out here at Comic-Con, they'll be going all out. Uh, <laughs> Poodle also has a background in photography and graphic design, which helps her enhance her creative skills. Poodle follows a well-known Rock Lee quote. If you don't know Rock Lee, you're not a nerd. It's okay. Um, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Uh, this is like one of my favorite streamers on Twitch. She usually plays like Apex and stuff. Um, she's just a really chill person. Like, first of all, this this, this boom in like black female gamers on Twitch is is incredible. I don't know. It's fucking like I watched an all women's um Apex tournament the other night, and one of my favorite teams was an all black team, and they got second place. And just just seeing black women just out here just fucking beaming niggas like was a uh, bliss on that team no no bliss wasn't on it. this was one between the miss fun size mufasa screams and the third i didn't know the third woman i can't remember her name off the top of my head oh okay um all streamers you should also check out as well but as you can see like we just love black female nerds yo like i'm for it come on starfire like it's it's, it's just, <laughs> and this, she's so gorgeous and wonderful she models as you can see as well so check her out uh, let me get her. Bam. Zoom and took over my whole screen. Check out her Twitch. It is Tatted Poodle. You just go to Twitch and type in Tatted Poodle. And on IG is Tatted Poodle as well. Um, yeah, very dope individual. So, <laughs> as you can see, chesticles on 10. Oh, man. Yeah, check her out. Oh, oh, oh. What's the link? What's the link? Ain't no OnlyFans, so just oh okay. Put dick back in your pants. All right, boy. I thought I found one. Now. I will let you know now. <laughs> yeah, man. Very dope show today. I just want to say, like, I love that we can debate and then do some clown shit and then go in again. Hey, this was a more debate heavy show right here. <laughs> it was. <laughs> we and didn't agree on much. <laughs> no, not at all. But we already know it's gonna happen. So that's fine. Right. Well, I mean, that's the that's the point of conversation to move everything forward. So absolutely. Um, yeah, man. Thank y'all for joining us. Um Atlanta. Atlanta. Oh. Atlanta. Join us on Patreon. We review in Atlanta. Oh <laughs> the finger guns sit now. I don't know why you keep threatening the audience. We watch it. We're going to be reviewing um, Atlanta. It's going to be dropping what, every Friday. When we drop. No, we drop them like Mondays. We re- record it on Fridays. So yeah. Check us out. It's going to be lit. If you never watch our reviews, it's always lit. We just finished reviewing Euphoria, which was fucking crazy. Um, yep. Finale was kind of underwhelming, but you know, that's ne- neither here nor there. Not to me. Not to me, though. We're going to review Batman whenever Will watches it again because he just literally fell asleep. We're going to watch it again tomorrow with Taryn, so. Well, you said that. Yeah. We'll see if I stay away. <laughs> we'll see how many questions Taryn asks you. Did she, she end oh the Batman? Oh, my God. Is she in the Batman lore whatsoever? None whatsoever. That sounds like a fun time. I, I, guarantee, my, I guarantee you, <laughs> less than two minutes into the movie, she's going to be like, I don't understand what's going on. That opening scene alone when... Bro, like, she, hey. <laughs> it's going to be... <laughs> It's coffee.
she's y'all might want to just binge like she is such an amazing person yes that is horrible at watching movies i believe it unless it's like a basic love storyline the basic is any layers bro she is lost Y'all might want to watch the Dark Knight trilogy first so she can, like, know. Because the Batman just jumped right into, like, Batman being Batman. You, you need to know this. something about Batman. Yeah. <laughs> you need to know some, anything. Oh, she's gonna have to... see, I'm going to get pissed off. I'm going to get pissed off. I can just see that opening scene alone. She was like, why is he Why is he just standing there? What, what's going on? What, what is he, why did he just kill that man? Like, it's going to be terrible. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> And then she'll make a comment about like, is this why you always go to movies with Greg and Mike? Because you don't. You... Absolutely. <laughs> and then like, and then like ten minutes in, I'm gonna be like, are you are you following? Because like, I really want her to enjoy. It. So like, I try and catch her up to where like she may have lost track. No. And I'll explain it to her. I'll explain it to her in full. Yeah. I still don't get it. This movie's three hours long. Just to remind you, it's three hours long. So. Hold it down. <laughs> oh. Three hours of pure frustration. <laughs> or either I'm going to go to sleep. Oh, please don't, man. This movie is so fucking good. Please don't. It's so fucking good. Ugh. You Listen, know how long we waited for this movie? Anyway, we're going to end this podcast. We waited for this shit so long for you to ruin this moment for us. Um, And they just added a deleted scene on YouTube, by the way. You should, you should watch it. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. Showing the Joker a little bit more? Yeah. I don't know how I feel about this Joker, though. I don't, I don't know. You let me know. You watch it. And you let me know how you feel. I hope it's not the real Joker. I hope it's like a little inspiration Joker. It's, it sounds like it's trying to be the real. The way the nigga look, look, it's trying to be the real Joker. So, really? Yeah. It's oh. a pretty good scene, though. But yeah, man. Love y'all. Thank y'all for tuning in. See y'all next time. Check us out on Patreon. Peace, 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 peace. Shout out, Will. And I'll see you next time.